Studs on CITR 101.9 FM here in Vancouver. Uh, my guest this week is Maurice Velikoup. Um His latest book from uh, wonderful Koyama Press is Gloria Badcock, as well as a assortment of uh, other releases over the years, including Velovision and A Nut at the Opera, um, both from Drawn and Quarterly and a Book of Pinups of... Um, some some handsome gentlemen and uh a whole range of other works thank you for joining me today maurice oh it's my pleasure thanks for having me now um gloria badcock i was chatting with you a, a little bit about it when i was in toronto for tcaf last year and you were talking about how it's uh returned to comics for you and 
tell me about that, like coming back to comics, because normally you're very much an editorial illustrator. Yeah, so I had um, I had been con- a contributor to uh, Drawn and Quarterly for many years, and the great thing about Drawn and Quarterly when they actually published the Quarterly was that I would have a deadline, and I would have to produce something for that, and my um, strength had always been short, shorter pieces, so it was perfect for me. Um, and then when they stopped publishing the, the the drawn and quarterly as a as a you know as a regular publication, um, I didn't have any deadlines anymore, and I kind of drifted away from comics, um, and I got more interested in. Um, I mean, I was still very much inter- interested in books, but uh, I started doing books that were more just pictures with some text and not not so much the comic stuff anymore so and that stretched on for like many many years um and um i i started drawing comics again a couple years ago when my friend mariko tamaki asked me to contribute to a a um an anthology it's a sort of a online lesbian art sort of thing. I don't know why they asked me, but uh, they asked me to, to contribute a piece to, to um, this issue. It's called No More Potlucks. And um, I decided that a comic strip would be um, a great solution for the theme that they had proposed, which was, um, the theme for that issue was mea culpa, or um, I'm sorry, or I regret. So I wrote my first comic in many years for Mariko, and um, since then I've been sort of doing more and more and um, culminating, I guess, in the publication of Gloria Badcock. So that's a, l- <laughs> a lengthy answer to your question there. Oh, that's okay. I like lengthy answers. <laughs> um, I was curious, I was going through your website, and one of the things that really jumps out to me is you'd been doing comics for quite a while, and you'd been doing zines, um, I guess, in the late 80s, early 90s, with people like Fiona Smythe and other kind of zine-type folks in Toronto, and that I'm curious about the dichotomy because you're doing that kind of work, and then you're also um, doing stuff for Vogue, and it seems like a big contrast for me in a way. Yeah, well, I don't know. It all it all seems to fit together to me in a way. And the the ironic thing about Vogue was that they actually commissioned me to write a comic strip. So I don't believe there had ever been a comic strip in Vogue before 1994 when um, I was asked to go to Paris with uh, people from Vogue and view the couture collections and write a four-page strip about my experience there. So, um, yeah, somehow uh, all these worlds sort of interconnect for me. I was really uh, blown away by the Polaroids you'd taken uh, oh thanks that. those are hilarious aren't they they're amazing and it's such a like a great time capsule of like these folks like a certain point in time and like you see the fashion of that time and it's uh yeah well if you if you if people are interested and they look if they scan back i have a blog on my website and it it goes back a couple of years now and if you if you go backwards far enough you'll see these photographs but i took of of people in in Paris during this trip so they were all reference photographs for the for the comic strip that I was commissioned to do and there's a picture of Anna Wintour the famous editor 
and um, she's looking very pissed off because I hadn't even been introduced to her, and I was incredibly nervous, and I just flashed this <laughs> this, this Polaroid flash right in her face, and she's give, giving this really, like, icy look into the camera. And, um, yeah, also, I'm not I'm, – I, I don't normally take very many photographs at all, and so I was um, nervous on many levels. <laughs> So yeah, it's a it's a priceless photograph of her. Um, part of the artistic process, not taking photos, is sketchbooking something important to you? If you're not grabbing photos of situations, no, I don't. No, I don't really do a sketchbook. Um, no, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I I just I just always I I don't know I I I I always think that that um everything I do should be towards something sort of concrete, whether it's a commercial project or my own work. So I always am thinking like straight ahead to the, the final product, more or less. So I, I guess I don't do that much um, noodling around, which is actually maybe untrue. This year, uh, I've been doing a, a lot of experimenting with some new media and stuff, and I've been really enjoying that. And um, and I've really discovered the the pleasures of working from photographs again, which I had not done for a long time. So I feel like this year I'm kind of um, exploring some new um, new things, and um, it's been really good, really healthy, I think. So I wouldn't exactly call them a sketchbook, but the 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 thrust of it is 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 totally that. Yeah, they're quite. I was looking at them; they're quite finished drawings. Well, they maybe they seem that way, but there are like the, the, I I tend to trace over things and over and over and over and over and be real perfectionist. And the stuff I've been doing lately, I've been trying not to do that and just go straight to a final product. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's been quite a challenge for me to just kind of let loose and and not be so you know controlling and anal and all that stuff. It's, yeah, I mean, I could really feel this stylistic shift um, looking at that, and it, yeah, that free, that freeness, I guess. Oh, I'm glad that comes through, yeah. Yeah. Tell me about kind of what pulled you into being an illustrator, an artist. Um, what were some of your interests that were exciting you to kind of go in that direction as a young man? Well, I was lucky to grow up in a house that uh, really um, appreciated art. So my father was an immigrant, um, but uh, he, he came from Europe and he um, brought with him this, this kind of interest in, in the old masters. Um, so we had a lot of art books in our house and I have two brothers and a sister and we all could draw more or less. And um, I'm the youngest of four and I always, <coughs> excuse me, um, really admired my older sister, Ingrid. And I just sort of wanted to do everything that she did. And she encouraged me a lot, too. And so um, she wanted to be an illustrator and has had some success with that. And um, I ended up going to art school just um, because uh, of her, basically. And she, she also had a big collection of books that were m more along like a pop culture kind of vein. So so all through my life, there's been this these two sort of streams of like um, appreciation sort of of high culture and an appreciation of popular culture that I think I have sort of mixed up uh, a lot. 
so um, yeah, it was it was it was admiration for her and also being inspired by her her work and her her book collection, which was yeah like um, a lot of uh, old graphics magazines and um, illustrator annuals and um, that kind of thing. So yeah, I always wanted to be an illustrator. When you went into <laughs> art school, did you? Did it help in developing your style, or was it kind of an hindrance because you're interested in illustration? Yeah, I found art school um, a little disappointing. Um, so, uh, I th and and the teachers we had in those days, which were the early '80s, um, at that time there was a lot of uh, in the illustration department anyway. There was a lot of older fellows who. Um, I don't know. They they seem to they seem to want to create little small versions of themselves, basically. So they tried to encourage you as much as possible to work in their own style, which seems odd, since presumably you'd be their competition <laughs> in the future. <laughs> um, so that was, but but it was it was even in the early '80s, it was always already getting a little old-fashioned. I'm not going to name any names, but it was a kind of an a, a, an established. 1970s illustration style that you saw in a lot of advertising and magazine illustration, and these these old boys were, you know, they'd come to to school in tweed jackets and ascots and that kind of thing, and um, you could picture them in the evenings, you know, savoring a really good scotch and um, that kind of thing. And and when I, when when I was there, it was sort of like punk rock time, and there was a bit of a revolution happening in terms of illustration and comics. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's, so I found it a little disappointing because it, it seemed a little unhip to me. And also I had, had a, I had been lucky in high school. I took a lot of art programs in high school. And so I was, you know, with the combination of my, my home life and having taken so much drawing and painting in, in high school, I felt already a little advanced compared to to the other people. So I feel like I kind of developed on my own within the the time that I was in art school. So I did a lot of um, personal work as I was completing my projects. And um, uh, yeah. <laughs> did you have peers that you would work with or that you would bounce stuff off of? Well, yeah, there was. There, I met some great people in art school. Um, uh, Fiona Smith actually was um, someone that I've been friends with since art school. We, met, I believe, we met on the very first day of registration, and I was just very attracted to her wild punk new wave style. So, um, yeah, she, 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 and I became friends almost immediately. And there was, there's a few other people too. I, I guess maybe not so well known. Um, I ended up meeting Seth when I was in art school. I'm not sh I'm not sure if if he was going to OCA in those days. I think he may have been. Was this when he was wearing all white and had white hair? Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, we were we we were sort of nightclub kids together. He and I were part of a big group, including Fiona and her two incredibly um, stylish and sexy younger sisters. So yeah, there was kind of a, a group of us that used to go to places in Toronto, like the Domino Club, and um, hmm, I guess that's the only place I can remember <laughs> <laughs> now after all these years. 
I don't think I can remember the places I went to in my early twenties, <laughs> so that's okay. Um, one of the really striking things that I really enjoy about Gloria is, um, it really seems steep in gay culture, um, the sexuality of it, especially. And I'm wondering, like, do you feel like you're kind of working, kind of looking at other peers, like say, like someone like Tom of Finland? Is that like something you're bouncing off of? Oh yeah, I think yeah. Tom of Finland is just such a giant to me. Um, uh, I think I guess the the last book that I published is called Pinups, and it's I, in a way kind of a tribute to Tom of Finland. Um, so I think with Gloria, I guess I was trying to broaden out a bit and and expand my audience to to include um, you know more women and lesbians and um, just people who are polymorphously per- perverse in general. <laughs> so I actually, I actually made a conscious effort to 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 try not to be too Tom-like in most of the drawings. Um, so I, I tried to make the guys a little bit um, thin, thinner and and less intimidating in the um, giant cock department. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know if that comes through or not, but uh, I did. I did try. <laughs> well, you, you, there, there, there's definitely a lot less leather hats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was it like the first time you'd seen uh, someone like that who was just doing this work that's just so right there in your face? Just here it is. You know, I can't really remember the first time I saw Tom of Finland. He's just such a such a pervasive. Um, presence that uh, yeah I, I I'd have to really think about that, but um, I think that the 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 things that I appreciate about him are obviously just the the technical perfection of the drawings. I mean they're just so beautiful, and the the skin tones that he creates just using a pencil are just so um, amazing. And then there's all the the other thing I think that I take from him, and um, I guess a lot of other people probably do too is is just this whole sort of you know despite what's going on in his comics and in his drawings there's a there's a joyousness and a sunniness to 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 his work that um i think was was really um uh incredible for the, for the period that he was living in and um and something that i i try to communicate too i think that you know despite the 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 sort of pervasiveness of sex in our culture, you know, it's it's on every billboard and every magazine cover and everything. It, I I still feel that there's a lot of shame and um, discomfort around the subject, and I think that 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 um, this kind of joyous, sunny approach um, disarms people and also humor. I mean, that's the great thing about. Tom is that there's always a wink to what he's doing, and there's always uh, like a, a joke usually somewhere in those stories. I'm thinking about the 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 one story called TV Repair, where uh, a guy's TV set is not working, and so he calls the repairman over, and the repairman, of course, is hot and hung, and they go nuts for each other and fuck each other all different ways. And then when they're done, uh, the TV repairman goes over to the TV and looks behind it, and the cord is unplugged. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that kind of humor, I think, is is it's it just so wonderful and, and
and as I say, there's a disarmingness about it that that you know if you can laugh about sex, it it, it doesn't make it as as um as intimidating as it it might be.
how important is is it to be doing um sex comics as as a comic as like kind of a statement i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> you really don't um well how <laughs> you tell me <laughs> is well, it important i don't know well it's something like especially in vancouver because like um I don't know if you know about Little Sisters. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, and uh, they're they've been very wonderful to me over the years. I've done done um, a signing or two there, and um, yeah, they're really like a beacon to the country. I think. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they the I'm trying to think of the right words to use here, like the representation or just the the iconness is like it's. The, the sexuality to a lot of the work and just how that kind of um, really identifies a culture and kind of embraces and celebrates. Am I making Yeah, sense? I'm sorry. What are, you, <laughs> what are you asking? I don't even know at this point. Um, I guess, like, I'm just wondering about doing work like that and, like, kind of how important it is for you just as a reflection of your identity to, like, put out a work like this well yeah I guess I don't again I don't really know I'm, I'm just doing what what makes me happy and and um, what makes me laugh and and I guess hoping that it communicates to 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 an, an audience of some kind so I'm not really I don't really have an agenda or anything with it mm -hmm. I'm just doing what 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 makes me happy now, tell me about the launch that you did for the for the book. Mm -hmm. I heard it was quite the uh, the event. Yeah, it was fun. Um, the, it was at Buddies in Bad Times Theater here in Toronto last November, and it was hosted by uh, the great folks at the Beguiling, um, uh, the famous comic book store, and um, and then uh, the host for the evening was. Sasha von Bonbon, who has a syndicated sex column, um, I'm I, I'm not. Sh I, I, is it is it read in Vancouver someplace? I I would imagine. I have no idea. Possibly yeah. maybe in like Extra West. But yeah, I, no idea. I think it's it, in Toronto. It's not um, uh, specifically a a gay thing. Oh, okay. I, th I think she 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 was published in I for many years. Uh, which is like a you know news and um, entertainment magazine, like a like a newsprint uh, uh, weekly kind of thing. So the, yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, our main newspaper, they have du uh, Doug Savage, Dan Savage. Right. So she the... she's very much like him, um, very um, uh, like blunt um, and um, uh, incredibly open and very funny and very. Um, Tough with people, but in a in a great way. I'm a I'm a huge fan of hers. Um, so I was thrilled when when um, when they decided to um, ask her to host the evening. So the evening consisted of she and I reading the 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 main story in Gloria Badcock, which is called Gloria Badcock Travels Back in Time. So she took the 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 um, the role of Gloria, and I took the role of all the male characters. And we did a reading, and um, it was it was pretty funny because there's a couple of pages that are that are just sex with no dialogue, 
and so we had to make uh, dirty sounds for <laughs> the period <laughs> that the that the uh, the images were going up on the screen. So we did like a PowerPoint presentation, and um, yeah, the, so we kind of got a little carried away with all that. <laughs> it was very funny, a according to people who were there. So. <laughs> <laughs> Now you live on one of the Toronto Islands, is that? I'm I live on Toronto Island, yeah. Okay, and what's that community like? I'm just like I have no idea about it. it seems well, it's very small. Um, there's around. Uh, let me see. I always get this wrong. I think there's maybe 150 houses. So the community would be around 800 to maybe a thousand people, and I'm sure I'm getting this wrong, but. Um, that's more or less the way I understand it. And um, there are no cars here. So the island is mostly a giant park um, that was once covered in homes, but they were torn down in the 1950s to make way for this park. And so this little community on one little corner of the island has managed to survive all these years. And in doing so, they became very political because um, there was a time when the city wanted the, all of the houses off the island. And so, yeah, we're a very feisty little group of um, of mostly lefty hippie types. <laughs> <laughs> and you've lived there for quite a while. I've been here for twenty years. Yeah. Wow. Is it? How do you get back to the mainland? Is it like a ferry? Do you have to get a boat? There's a ferry boat that runs year round. Um, the 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 Ferry boat times are a bit limiting if you're a, a nighttime person. Um, so the last boat leaving the city um, would be 11:30 in the winter time, and um, even slightly earlier at other times of the year. So, yeah, if you're if you're if you like to go out and party, it's it's not the greatest spot. <laughs> <laughs> but in the summertime, there's a water taxi, so things things uh, ease up in that way. No. Let's talk a little bit about maybe some of your other books. Um, I was looking through uh, None at the Opera, and I'm curious about like the research you would go into doing this book and kind of how opera is an interest of yours. Yeah, well, so the, the uh, None at the Opera is a collection of basically illustrations with a bit of text. And they were created for a friend of mine who I met in art school who was uh, a teacher. And we became friends because of a lot of shared interest in movies and um, cult, you know, culture, both high and low. And he became um, yeah, a very influential person in my life. And uh, his name was Paul Baker. And he, so as we became friends, he, he, I had a little bit of interest in opera because my father was a fan. Um, but Paul sort of reignited this for me. And um, he would lend me recordings, and we would go to operas together, he and his partner and I and, and other friends. And, um, and so gradually, I started to learn more about it and became more and more obsessed with it. And um, so every year for his birthday and for Christmas, I would make him a card that was like a satirical portrait of some fictitious singer um, with a little note inside it, a little autobiographical, or sorry, a biographical note about this, this fictitious person. And a lot of them were based on, on real characters, but fictionalized. 
So um, Paul passed away in 2001, and um, I got all the cards back. There were like maybe 20 or 25 of them, and we, he and I had always talked about doing a book of them, and um, I approached uh, Drawn and Quarterly with the idea, and they seemed um, excited about it, and so I made a bunch of new art too to, um, to go in this book. Um, so actually, as to research and stuff, a lot of the stories were just, they're just in my brain from, from being retold and laughed about over the years. So a lot of them are, are, are true stories that are slightly fictionalized. It sounds like a fun project. Yeah, it was a, and it was a real, it, it, it's, it, it's a real, I think a real tribute to this, this man who so many people were inspired by and loved and, um, you know, he was a wonderful, wonderful teacher at the art college here in, in Toronto. Very sadly missed. You got me all sad now. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good old Paul. It's, um, one of the things uh, I was looking at with your blog is you recently, you've been doing a lot of work specifically from uh, one particular magazine, After Dark. Yeah. Oh. And tell me a bit about that and why that's influencing you right now. Okay, so After Dark was um, uh, a very, very gay magazine. It wasn't a it wasn't a soft core magazine or anything, but it was. It came from a very gay point of view, and it looked at um, entertainment basically. It's the subtitle is the magazine of entertainment, and so it sort of covers or covered um, uh, theater, dance. Opera, um, some painting, television, just just culture in general, and all from a very gay point of view. So there, you know, if, if they interviewed somebody like Michael York, you'd be sure to get several pages of shirtless Michael York <laughs> photographs <laughs> to accompany the article. And and um, yeah, and it existed from the late '60s to the very early '80s. So just as the AIDS epidemic was starting to um, make its presence felt um, is when the magazine folded. So it's this, to me, it's this very precious um, window into a, a, a kind of a golden age um, that, that people have nostalgic for, which was just slightly before my time. So um, whether it was a golden age or not, I'm sure every older person has a different <laughs> opinion on but to us it just seemed like um this this incredible time of of freedom and abandon and everything that that uh, obviously aids uh, dampened a lot so, kind of so like i think that. that's that that's the attraction for me and i mean also i i always i basically live in the past anyway so um you know an article about about um oh uh, you know joan bennett or um or Gene Tierney from 1978 is, is completely fascinating to me. <laughs> I want to hear everything about their lives, these forgotten movie stars. So, yeah, so that's what it is. Um, kind of like post Stonewall. Yeah, yeah, and the disco era. And the disco there's, era. There's a, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of pictures of Grace Jones attending parties and. Uh, yeah, it's it's incredible. It's it, it, it's it's just incredible. 
There's never an icon like Grace Jones. <laughs> amazing. I love seeing photos of her now, and she's still like this dominant presence. Oh yeah, she's still doing it. Yeah. Um, where are you going now with your work? Are you did doing Gloria Badcock like charge you up to do more comics? It did. I I yeah. I'm starting to 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 work on a longer work um, right now. That's going to be. Um, autobiographical and um, I hate to use the word graphic novel but I think that's that's sort of where I'm aiming for it's it's very much in the early stages right now so I don't I don't know how much I should really say about it um, but it's um, it's been very challenging and fun so far and um, very very interesting to think about um, my childhood and growing up in the suburbs of Toronto, and um, I think that's more or less what the subject's going to be. Well, I read the one thing you had posted um, from the letter Q anthology, oh, yeah. Yeah. and that was really interesting. I really liked what you were saying about um, how you wanted to portray this, or maybe let the folks know a little bit about it, because you'll say the it better letter than Q. I will. Yeah. Yeah, so the letter Q is an anthology of um, uh, mostly writers and some comic book artists writing letters to their younger selves. Um, and it's, it's, I'm not sure how involved it is with the Trevor Project, but it's, but it's, it's part of this whole It Gets Better campaign. Mm -hmm. So the idea being that, that um, youth who are in trouble and, and increasingly in the news for, for, um, for suicide and, and bullying, um, this, this is an attempt um, to, to reach out to younger folk and, and try, to, try to tell them that, that life gets better. Um, so I was uh, asked to be a participant and I decided again to write a two-page um, strip for the thing. And I was very, very thrilled and honored to be asked because there's some really amazing people involved um, with the project, uh, particularly writers that I admire. So it was a, very exciting. So yeah, so I wrote a two-page story about, um, I guess, me at one of the lowest points in my life. I, I don't think I was suicidal, but <laughs> close to it, and it, life was pretty hard. So I, I read a letter to myself um, at that point. So it would be the beginning of grade nine in uh, in um, here in uh, in Toronto. And you're saying that the there was some um, disagree editorial disagreements with how you wanted to take the story, and I was kind of curious about that. Yeah. Well, it it so I yeah I I guess. I I uh I guess I have some mixed feelings about the whole idea um of 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 whether you can um reach out to to young people and 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 if it helps or not I I hope it does I I just know that for me um it, uh, receiving a letter like that would have been very, very disturbing and um, unhelpful. 
Um, so, so you know, this letter arrives magically from the future, and it's from my older self, and it it tells my younger self about how wonderful life is. I mean, I've had a lover for ten years. I've had a, uh, a successful career as an illustrator, and um, the, in the strip, uh, I show myself actually. Um, reading this letter and then tearing it up and throwing it away and going on with my life. And um, the editors uh, had a bit of a problem with that because it seemed to go against the the whole um, the whole idea of the project. Mm-hmm. So um, I kind of uh, argued with them a little bit, and and um, they allowed me to to uh, finish it as as I had proposed it. So that was that was very gracious of them. I thought it's. It's interesting, like, it's, there's this idea, like, you want to feel that you are helping something, I guess. It's that, that challenge, like, we are, do we say we are making a difference? Yeah, I, I think it, I think it would, would, I hope it does help people, and I hope young people read it. Um, mm-hmm. um, I just, I just know that, for me, it, it, you know, it it was just so, um, just I don't know. It just my life then just came down really to a matter of of survival. You know, like I I went to a, a kind of a I guess a kind of a tough high school, and um, I had come from a very sheltered background. From grades one to eight, I attended a, a private Christian school. Um, so in grade nine, I suddenly went into the public school system, and I I was completely overwhelmed um, and I was uh, physically very small and I just got called faggot every single day of high school basically so I never actually was threatened with violence but um, I, I, I mean I, I never experienced uh, physical violence but I was I was I felt threatened every single day and it was it was very hard and it didn't seem like there was anybody I could talk to about it besides my sister so um yeah that's that's where I was at at the time. Is that kind of one of the reasons you want to work on this bigger work like kind of doing this autobio stuff kind of putting you in a certain direction? Uh no, I think I have something very different to say with the, uh, with the autobiography. I'm I'm not quite sure, <laughs> sure what it is yet. <laughs> like I say I'm I'm right at the beginning so. Yeah. Um I, I I don't feel like I should say too much because it no, might no, no. change, you know. You yeah, know? it's at that that stage where it's still brewing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have been again really enjoying, um, like really perusing all these these uh, family albums though, and um, um, really examining these photographs, and and they they just seem to contain worlds of information, um, and 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 emotion. So it's that's uh, that part's been really really amazing so far. That kind of sense of introspection. Mm-hmm. And the past welling up. Yeah, it seems. Yeah, you're mentioning like it, the past has always been really fascinating for you, and you can really. Yeah, I don't know what that that is. I mean, um, yeah, I I just. At a young age already, I was really, I was already really into old movies, and that's that's been kind of a constant in my life. Um, the, 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 yeah, I, 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 when I was, 
when I was in like grade five or six, I would watch uh, basically a movie every day after school. Um, at four o'clock, there was a there was a there was a movie on every day. And then when I became a young teenager, I started going to the rep houses almost every day too, um, a lot with my sister, and then with these these weirdo um, sort of punk new wave um, film school friends that I met. So um, yeah, it's just been. Um, a, a, a complete fascination with with the style and the 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 immersion in in the past. What's it like uh, working with the uh, the Koyama crew? Um, fantastic. Oh yeah, absolutely <laughs> fantastic. And Koyama is like uh, 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 I don't know what she's uh, an incredible human being um, and. Uh, a, a, a tireless worker on behalf of her artists, and um, like a Renaissance patron, more or less. Um, yeah, she's just a, a, a great human being. Was um, having her interest kind of one of the things that kind of got you back into the comic groove? Yeah, I was sort of a couple of years ago. I mean, the, mostly I'm an illustrator, and things have been very up and down, not only for me but for most of the people that I know in our profession. Mm -hmm. And so there was a summer where I was really trying to think, oh, what what can I do to sort of spread out and branch out again? And um, so I approached her with a number of different projects, and and she decided that um, that this would 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 suit her the best and and the one that she thought would be the most profitable and everything so so um that's sort of how it came about i had the, i had this story about gloria traveling back in time um sort of simmering in my mind for a long time and this seemed like a great um opportunity to get it out there so is she a character you've been using before yeah so um in 1997 um uh Drawn and Quarterly published um, my book Velavision, uh, which is a collection of comics and illustration, and there's a big um, chapter devoted to her. Um, so she, yeah, she's a character I created long ago and um, um, have kind of uh, rediscovered again in the last year or two. Nice. Well, thank you for taking the time with me today, Maurice, to chat about your work. I very much appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Great to talk to you. Uh, just a reminder, folks, I've been chatting with Maurice Velikoop. Um, his latest book is The World of Gloria Badcock, a comic for adults. Don't read it in transit. Um, you'll get embarrassed. A <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nut at the Opera, uh, as you mentioned just a second ago, Velovision, uh, both from Drawn Accordly as well as Pinups, and I'm sure other releases I'm forgetting. Thank you so much, Maurice. Okay, my pleasure. If they don't believe
Don't believe us And if they don't believe us 